Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Military might, Donald Trump ready to deploy forces in his war on illegal immigration. Plus, crime and punishment. Robert Mueller's Russia investigation lands a lawyer close to the Trump campaign in jail. And the Trump slump. Why some are saying the president is bad for business. This is the State of America tonight. We're going to be guarding our border with the military. It's a big step. Every time uh, Mueller puts up the heat on him, he pivots to immigration. And Trump tweeting about it and ranting about it is basically theater. It's theater for his base. Amazon shares were up 2% before the president tweeted this. And guess what? Amazon shares are now in the red. He is going after Jeff Bezos and Amazon because he doesn't like the coverage of the Washington Post. Hi, I'm Alex Marquardt, live in New York. This is State of America Tonight. For the third straight day, President Trump is railing against U.S. immigration laws, now vowing to protect the southern border in a rather stunning new way. The laws that were created by Democrats are so pathetic and so weak. We have very bad laws for our border. And we are going to be doing some things. I've been speaking with General Mattis. We're going to be doing things militarily. Until we can have a wall and proper security, we're going to be guarding our border with the military. Those remarks coming this afternoon as the president escalates his anti-immigrant rhetoric on Twitter. One congressional Democrat has this theory after the president's recent tweet storm. I see the president, you know, trying to use distractions. Uh, and I think that's what he does with some of his tweetings. Uh, when you look at individuals within his, that was within his campaign are being indicted uh, and some are pleading guilty and what they're saying and the, his attorneys are quitting. I think he's really nervous about that. And there may be good reason for President Trump to be nervous as the Russia probe hit a milestone today. Alex Vanderswan, a Dutch attorney, became the first person to be sentenced in the special counsel investigation. Vanderswan, whose firm worked with former Trump deputy campaign chairman Rick Gates in Ukraine, pleaded guilty to conspiracy and lying to the FBI. He now faces 30 days in jail and a $20,000 fine. A member of Mueller's team says that Vander Swan should be an example to others about lying to investigators. And a former assistant to Mueller, the Department of Justice, agrees. I think it sends a message that Mueller wants people to cooperate and be truthful. And I think it tells those who have information to give up to make sure they give it up. But there is one more issue that President Trump may like his tweeting to be distracting from. The palace intrigue that has engulfed his White House. Sources telling CNN that the president is angry about reports on ethical questions involving his EPA chief, Scott Pruitt. Most recently, the revelation that he rents a room in a condo owned by the family of an energy lobbyist. While one source close to the White House claims that Pruitt's job is in jeopardy, a Trump administration official says the president called Pruitt last night to tell him, quote, keep fighting, we've got your back. Trump's former campaign manager echoed that today. 
From what I'm told, both General Kelly and President Trump have assured Scott Pruitt that he's staying on uh, for right now, and that will continue. I believe that General Kelly has been waiting for an investigative, uh, an IG report to come out of the EPA. And so until that happens, I believe uh, Administrator Pruitt is safe in his position. But as we've come to expect from the Trump White House, all members of the president's cabinet are safe until they aren't. I want to bring in CNN's White House reporter, Caitlin Collins. Caitlin, the president has been making a lot of news over the past few days, and today in particular, a lot of about immigration and Mexico. He just wrapped up a formal press conference just moments ago with uh, three Baltic leaders. That is rare for him to be uh, giving a formal press conference. What did he say? Well, he had a lot to say. And to give you an idea of what this press conference was like, normally they do two questions for each leader, but because there were four of them up there, they each took about one question each. But, of course, several of them were directed at President Trump. The question he got from a U.S. reporter was specifically about those two things he said earlier, pulling out of Syria and what he said about militarizing the border. Now, as far as the border, he essentially doubled down on that idea earlier today during that lunch with those Baltic leaders. He suggested the idea of putting the military on the border to guard it until his border wall could be built along that southern border. Now, the newest development that he just said at that press conference just there was that he's going to be meeting with the defense secretary, James Mattis, to discuss how this could actually be put forth. So he, it is, sounds like he is uh, quite serious about this. Of course, troops have been sent there before with past presidents, but it would require a lot of specifics, a lot of logistics have to go into something like that. But the president seemed to be doubling down on that idea. He again bemoaned the fact he said that the U.S. does not have strong border laws, and that Mexico does have much stronger border laws, he believes, than we do. So essentially decrying that. But then for Syria, of course, as you'll recall the other day, in Cleveland, Ohio, the president made a remark about pulling U- U.S. troops out of Syria uh, while talking about the fight with ISIS, which he said he believes the United States is winning. That is something that is in direct conflict with what his military officials have said in the past. And the president was asked about that today. And he said he does want the military to come out of Syria. He didn't really offer specifics as to when or how. Of course, this is a president who has said before he's not going to telegraph his moves in Syria. And just minutes before that answer, in his opening statement, a prepared remark that the president is reading, not just freelancing, uh, he said that he regarded essentially Syria. There was no timeline that could be filled there. But then, of course, he repeated his claim that he does want to come out of Syria. So some very interesting remarks from the president there, Alex, uh, during that press conference. Yeah, big issues for the military to now be facing, but very few details. Caitlin Collins of the White House, thank you very much. Turning now to news in the Russia probe. Alex van der Swan is not one of the big names in this investigation, but when the Dutch lawyer was sentenced just a few hours ago, it did mark a milestone. U.S. Justice correspondent Evan Perez joins us live. Evan, this is a big moment in this investigation, the first sentencing. Van der Swan, as I just mentioned, not necessarily a central figure, but it is significant, isn't it? That's right, Alex. He is the first of many people who've been charged in this investigation, almost a year-long investigation by Special Counsel Robert Mueller. But here's where he fits into the picture. He, according to prosecutors, lied to investigators, lied to FBI uh, when he was interviewed about a particular interaction that happened between Rick Gates, who is the deputy of Paul Manafort, the, the former chairman of the Trump campaign. And Rick Gates was apparently in touch with someone that the FBI says uh, is a Russian spy. And 
and uh, that, that man is by the name of uh, Konstantin Kalimnik, uh, according to the FBI, was in touch with Rick Gates, not only, uh, you know, before, uh, before the, uh, the campaign, but in September and October of 2016. So that is in the middle of the campaign. And according to prosecutors, Rick Gates was aware that this person worked for Russian intelligence. So what this does and what Van der Zwan does is it brings full circle uh, the, the central mission of Robert Mueller's investigation, which is to look into whether or not there was any collusion, any illegal coordination between members of the Trump campaign uh, and Russians. Alex. And it also sends a strong message to anybody else the, the investigation may be reaching out to. Now, Evan, right. we also learned today that uh, last summer the Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein directed the special counsel, Robert Mueller, to investigate possible collusion by the Trump campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, with the Russians. What more have we learned? Well, that's right. This is a key memo that was written in, in August uh, of 2017. And again, this is after Robert Mueller had been on the job for several months. And this is in response to Paul Manafort. His lawyers have said that Robert Mueller is essentially a rogue prosecutor. He's going places that he was never authorized to go. And so for the first time, we've learned that this memo was written by Rod Rosenstein, who is overseeing this investigation. He's a deputy attorney general. But for the purposes of this investigation, he's the highest ranking person at the Justice Department overseeing this. And I'll read you just a piece of the memo, uh, part of the memo, in which he says that the special counsel is authorized to investigate uh, committed crimes by, by, by Paul Manafort, committed crimes by colluding with Russian government officials with respect to the Russian government efforts to interfere in the 2016 uh, presidential election. And what this does, Alex, is that it, it makes sure that people know that what Robert Mueller is doing is completely authorized by Rod Rosenstein. This is somebody who the president has criticized over and over on Twitter. So one of the impacts of this uh, may be not only the legal impact, but also the political impact, because as you know, uh, President Trump uh, uses Twitter to criticize uh, government officials, and sometimes he uses Twitter to fire them. So we'll see what happens uh, as a result of, of this criticism that, uh, that we know uh, has been coming from people close to the president for months now. Yeah, that's right. No reaction yet to, uh, to this memo from the president on Twitter, Twitter or otherwise. Evan Perez, thank you very much. Thanks. Coming up, President Donald Trump has been on a hardline immigration tear this week, and now he's calling for backup, bringing in the U.S. military to guard the southern border. But is Trump simply trying to rally his base? Our panel weighs in next. President Donald Trump is doubling down on his tough immigration talk. In the last 48 hours, he's unleashed a flurry of tweets attacking Democrats and the current immigration laws as being too weak on the border. Now, today, during a lunch with Baltic leaders, Mr. Trump said that the U.S. military will guard the southern border until a wall is completed. The panel tonight, Rob Astorino, a Trump supporter and a former local New York state government official, Caitlin Huey Burns, national political reporter for all Real Clear Politics, Rich Galen, Republican strategist and publisher of Mullings.com, and Bill Press, the host of The Bill Press Show, and the author of the new book, From the Left, Life in the Crossfire. Mm -hmm. Thank you all for Buy being... It. Buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for being with me tonight. 
Now, the president going hard, not just today, but for the, over the past 72 hours, really, on, on immigration, on DACA, on NAFTA, on Mexico. Uh, today, calling uh, the U.S. Uh, laws weak and pathetic. I want to throw up a tweet that the president wrote this morning, uh, talking about this big caravan of people from Honduras now coming across Mexico and heading to our weak laws border. It had better be stopped before it gets there. Now, Rich, just in the past few hours, the president has made some news by saying he's going to send uh, military forces down to the border. There are very few details how that would actually happen. But what's your, your quick reaction? Well, I don't have any particular problem with the concept of, of guarding the border with active duty military or reservists, for that matter. But a couple of things. A, they're not trained for that. And more likely, they're trained for, for battle in Iraq or Afghanistan. Number one and number two is that kind of duty is unbelievably enervating to troops. I mean, just day after day of that kind of thing. And commanders will quickly realize that they need to rotate much more quickly. They're still, so they in, Iraq, have to, they're still in Afghanistan, they're still in Syria. And, and it just creates a shortage of available troops. So I, I think this is one of those things that the president says sounds like a good idea and maybe a good idea. But the execution is going to be a lot tougher. What surprises me, or what I think is baffling to a lot of people, is, is that this seems to have come out of the blue. This is not on the table. It's not being negotiated in Congress. It's not being talked about. Uh, Rob, why, why do you think that this is happening now? Why did he feel the need to bring this up? And there has been some speculation that it was because of the guests that he had over the Easter weekend at Mar-a-Lago. Well, I think it was just a, fr- a frustration. You know, it's been building and building that Congress isn't doing anything. You know, DACA's not moving at all, which he'd like to get done. And quite frankly, you know, immigration has been a problem, multi-generational now for, for a long time. And he's getting in there and saying, I'm going to do something about it. But he's bumping up against a recalcitrant Congress. And I think he's very frustrated. And this is his way of sending a signal to people around America saying, look, we understand there's a problem. I'm trying to do whatever I can, even though Congress isn't doing anything about it. But I'll do whatever I can for the time being. But, you know, but I, I, I just got to say, first of all, I think... This is an exaggerated risk. I mean, I'm from California. There was a day when there were tons of people pouring across the border. This is just not happening right. anymore. Already there. I think, I think <laughs> the president is really, really playing to his base here. The other thing is the military has very limited authority in what they can do Domestic. Domestic, domestically. They cannot be in the streets and, and the fields, if you will, of the United States um, locking people up. And they can't take the place of law enforcement. So I think limited what they can do down there. Thirdly... He says they're going to stay until this wall is built. Guess what? He's going to be out of office before this wall is built. Well, well I think that's the, the, the center of this frustration that he has, right? Because uh, that trillion-dollar spending bill that they just passed, remember, he only got a billion dollars for the wall, right. far short of what he wanted. And so no this concrete is, wall. Exactly. And so I think, to your question about, you know, he's been having conversations with people who are reminding him what he hasn't gotten yet, what he's campaigned on, what he hasn't gotten yet. And also, I mean, he could easily uh, push for something in Congress, but uh, Republicans even voted against the plan that he pushed for uh, because it wasn't conservative enough. He hasn't, uh, you know, bridged those divides in Congress that he could. And because of that court order on DACA, it's given, it's alleviated any pressure really for Congress to act. So he's playing the blame game here. Uh, but he could have done things differently. Is it because it works for his base? There was a a quote from Ann Coulter, who was a big supporter and is now Mm -hmm. a big critic because he hasn't built a wall. Let me just read it quickly. She told the New York Times, I don't know what more horrible thing you could come up with than violating your central campaign promise that Mm -hmm. became the chant and the theme of the campaign that he promised 
at every single rally. Right. This is not popular with the American public. This is popular with his base. It's popular with his base. We're heading into the midterm season. We kind of know that Congress is pretty much done legislating on big items (laughs) this year, realistically. And so this is the president kind of digging in um, and, you know, going full steam ahead on things that are very, uh, get a visceral reaction out of it. The problem is, Caitlin properly points out, I think, is that this is policy being made by depending upon who he had lunch with at Mar-a-Lago, which I'm not sure is exactly what we wanted in our president. You agree, Bill? Uh, uh, yes. Or um, what else is going on and how can he get somebody talking about something else, right? Throwing this idea out yeah. there out of the blue, suddenly we're all talking about it today. And maybe we should be talking about the fact that the first guy, Robert Mueller, arrested the first guy and sentenced him to 30 days in prison. Hello, the Russian investigation is going forward, and we're talking about sending the National Guard to the mall. Bill, this is not just any week. Uh, today, in fact, is the anniversary, the 50th anniversary of, of Martin Luther King Jr.'s mountaintop speech. Tomorrow will be the 50th anniversary uh, of his assassination. Meanwhile, we have the president uh, tweeting about Hispanics flowing into the U.S., our country being stolen. This week of all weeks, does this not smack a little bit of a, of a racist dog whistle to, to his supporters? Well, I think the fact that he hasn't talked at all about this incredibly important milestone of 50 years, the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., does peak volumes. Uh, but hey, there's you still know, time. He could do it tomorrow. He could do it tomorrow. But the celebration... Well, based upon what he tweeted on Easter, I'm not sure. <laughs> right. He would hold yeah. our breath. Right. Look what he did on Easter. But, you know, look, I wake up every morning, look at my phone, and I, I should feel honored because I have tweets from the President of the United States. <laughs> what amazes me is the volume of them and the range of them, and the truthiness of them, right? Volume greater than anybody else. The uh, range greater than anybody else. He goes from CNN, right, to Amazon, to whatever, and the truthiness doesn't exist. So, you know, go figure. Um, There was something else that the president said today, which kind of slipped under the radar, that uh, he is the strongest, uh, he's been the hardest on Russia so far, yet this is someone who has not, been able to answer the question whether Putin uh, is, is a friend or a foe. Do you, do you think that's accurate? Well, I think you've got to look at his actions, and his actions have been swift, I think. The, you know, working with all the other nations to boot out the Russian diplomats was something that was very strong. I think the fact that you can have a dual track here. You can have a decent relationship with a leader that you don't necessarily trust, but you've got to bring them into the fold. I mean, we have interests that we've got to advance. And to just say, I'm never going to talk to you, I mean, he'd get criticized either way. But if Putin comes to America and they have a a chat, maybe it opens up things in a good way. But I think, you know, just because he hasn't said whether he's a friend or foe, I I would much prefer to see what the actions are as opposed to what the words are or are not. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. You guys are going to stick around and and stay with us. (laughs) Uh, Coming up, the stock market's on a wild ride this week, and President Trump's fingerprints are all over it. But his constant attacks on Amazon... Turn the Trump bump into the Trump slump. Our panel will weigh in next. The post office is losing billions of dollars and the taxpayers are paying for that money because it delivers packages for Amazon at a very below cost. And that's not fair to the United States. It's not fair to our taxpayers. 
And Amazon has the money to pay the fair rate at the post office, which would be much more than they're paying right now. President Trump there continuing to double down on his debunked claims against Amazon. And every attack against that tech giant sends its stock into the red and the broader market often follows. So why is the man who likes to boast about the stock market gains keep taking action that can up and the panel is back with me now. Now, the economy is doing very well. It's also extremely volatile. In fact, 10 of the biggest point dips in Dow Jones history of the 10, four have been this year. Now, Rich, the president inherited a booming economy that was further fueled uh, by the tax breaks. Why is he risking all of this with a potential trade war with China and these attacks on Amazon? I think that, I, I think that he truly believes that he can outsmart everybody, including the stock market. And frankly, if you're an Amazon fan, this is a great time to buy. I mean, he's forcing it into buying territory. Um, I, my 401k is $11.13, so I'm not actually in that game. It's still very expensive, well over $1,000. <laughs> but the, oh yeah, no, I, I understand that. Uh, but the fact is the market is down 10% correction territory uh, from the beginning or from earlier this year. Uh, and I, I just think that he... It's typical of, of, of Donald Trump that there is no strategy to this stuff. Right. It just happens to be today's tactic. And by the way, he's wrong about a very losing. But how did he put it? He's such a silver-tongued devil, right. a very below cost. Right. But, but I, I, he is singling out Amazon. And, and I want to read you guys a tweet, uh, another one from today. I am right about Amazon costing the United States Post Office massive amounts of money for being their delivery boy. Amazon should pay these costs and not have them borne by the American taxpayer. Amazon does pay these costs. Amazon does pay uh, local taxes. The U.S. Postal Service is making money off of their package delivery. Now, Amazon's stock had, to some extent, recovered this morning. It was up 1.4%, and then a minute later, President Trump tweeted an attack, that attack on Amazon, and 11 minutes later, the <laughs> stock had fallen. Rob, it's a long way of asking... <laughs> how is this anything but an attack against Jeff Bezos, who is the CEO of Amazon, but... And also, also happens also to run the, the owner, Washington Post. The Washington Post. Well, let's see. A couple things. First of all, it hasn't been totally debunked. Citigroup did a study, and it did say that Amazon is paying below. They get a good rate, but they're also giving a ton of money to the post office. The post office is making a lot of money. I think with Trump, you know, he throws out a lot of things. First of all, the, everyone knows the post office is broken. It is completely broken. Uh, Amazon is an easy target because you look again at middle America and maybe perhaps his voters and you do go along Main Street, and there's a lot of small stores that are out of business. Now, that, to me, is capitalism. You know, everyone has to adjust. Uh, and so he throws out some truths, but he also expands a little bit sometimes. And I don't know why he's going after Bezos directly, if he is. But Amazon is a prime target. I wonder if he would have gone against Sears, you know, well, back in the 30s. Well, no. I think this yeah. is a blood, blood feud between Donald Trump and, and, and Jeff, Jeff Bezos. Bezos. But look, on Amazon, it's worth saying, they get a... They get a bulk rate for mail. They get a cut rate. But right. so does Walmart. So does everybody else who mails a lot of packages. So they're paying their freight. They're paying their fair share. They're paying the regular post office rate. Uh, right. And the post office, as you point out, Rob, is making a ton of money off right. Amazon. I think the bigger question is, and I'm not Wall Street at all, but I think what I keep hearing from business people is they need certainty about where the market's going, what the government yeah. is doing. And this president, through his tariffs, and now through this attack on one 
American company is putting all kinds of uncertainty out there, and that's what we're seeing the market it's reflect. An, it's an effective attack. Sorry, yeah, I mean, the tariffs are one thing because that's something that he campaigned on. The Amazon thing, it's hard to see what the broader strategy was. If there was one, he would champion legislation in Congress that's already there to uh, fix this loophole, this tax loophole that online retailers take advantage of. He could, uh, you know, talk to Bernie Sanders, who has said that companies like uh, Amazon have become too big and there's becoming a monopoly, right? Um, this It's hard hard to see how this is anything other than going after Amazon uh, because of Jeff Bezos, because of the Post, and especially because of the subsequent tweets going after media organizations. Uh, this is all part of this like broader fr- frustration that he has. And if he was serious about it, he could do something legislatively. Local right. governments do not get the sales tax. The states right. do. Governments states do. Yeah. We'll have to continue this debate another time. All Thank right. you all for joining us. Our thanks to Rob, Caitlin, Rich, and Bill. This is day 439 of President Trump's administration. That is the state of America tonight. Thanks so much for watching. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.